guys sound amazing today. Uh, thank you so much to our worship team and just giving your heart, your hearts and helping to get us uh, in the right place. Uh, we want to welcome you. Uh, my name is Scott Sweeney. If you're here visiting with us, one of the ministers here along with Jake and our wives, uh, we're so grateful that you're here uh, for this Hero Sunday. And uh, I hope you get to spend time with your, your, your friends that came with you afterwards and get to really talk to them in a personal way. And uh, the, the, the cool thing for me, maybe not the cool thing for, for the people that are friends with me, is that I get to share with them here at church. So... <laughs> Uh, I want, I'm, I'm so excited to have uh, Corey and Jen uh, with, with us here today, and uh, Corey is sitting up here in the front. He is an, was in the Air Force uh, for six years and was the flight engineer on some plane that I can't remember at the time. Uh, what was it? The KC-135. The KC-135. So a really cool plane, and I really appreciate... <laughs> He can tell you all that they did and all the cool stories there. But uh, I really appreciate just your service to your country and just your really heart to give that on. He's got a real heart for a lot of the younger people around him that he's kind of pulled into his life. And Jen is a hero to me. She's been super courageous uh, the past few years. She's going to make me cry up here. But uh, everything that has come her way, she has handled it just with amazing grace and poise and strength. And uh, I know that she's been through a lot, but you would never know it by talking to her. So uh, we're so uh, encouraged to have you here and have your, your son Chase here as well. And uh, my buddy Nevin, uh, we just, you know, recently reconnected here. And I just appreciate you as a dad. You know, he brought his son out here today and his son really was excited to come to church. And, and that's really coming from you and just your heart for God. So I'm inspired by that. Uh, my son's friend Nico is here, too. And uh, I'm not sure what he would share about him, but I appreciate his friendship uh, with Connor. And uh, he's uh, one of the, the, the regulars at our uh, Truth Be Told uh, Bible Talk there at the high school. So it's good to have you here uh, as well. And uh, he's a wrestler on a high school team, too, as well. So I'm always cool, inspired by that. But it's just been cool to see our church in action. You know, you get certain little snapshots where you see, wow, this is really amazing. And not to 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 our horn, but just really I've been so encouraged just how God has used us around the valley to visit. Uh, we've went out this week to kind of visit the police stations in the area. And in the years past, we visit fire stations and we felt like, hey, the police Officers need a little love this year, and uh, we have a few uh, among us. But as uh, Aaron said, we want to really hold up all of our first responders, and that's really where this service uh, initiated with with 9-11 and just the first responders that inspired so many of us. And now it's kind of extended because we're realizing, hey, everybody, we had a lot of people that we look up to, and so you may be here under that too. And even the Police stations are getting a little more uh, tech-savvy. They're posting our pictures up there on their websites. And just just to see, they're encouraged by you. So I hope you feel that. And really, because of Christ, we're able to go out and do that. And one of the most moving ones was visiting the Palm Springs uh, station. I think the Domingo group was over there, maybe some others. And uh, they still have the locker there for Gil Vega and... Um, uh, Officer Leslie uh, Zarebny, who were killed in line of duty a few years ago. And uh, for those of you who are visiting, that 
Gil was the uncle of one of our members here, and so that was really close to home for so many of us. So it's cool to see that they got the, the light on for them and really keeping them uh, going, and we really want to never forget, uh, as the saying says. So as we start uh, our sermon here, let's say a prayer, and uh, please keep Juan uh, Vasquez and his family in, in your prayers as well as his aunt uh, passed away this week. So pray with me. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this time to be together. Thank you for all the heroes in our lives. And thank you most of all for Jesus. God, thank you. I pray that in the next few minutes that you open up our hearts to your word and to the sharing and, and that you can touch us, God, and help us to, to feel believed in by you. Help us to feel uh, called by you, God, to, to serve and to really uh, be your ambassadors in this world. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title today is Jesus, the Hero Maker. And obviously Jesus is our hero. But one of the things that makes him so amazing is that he made other heroes. And the only thing that made them heroes is that they were with him. And so when he rubbed off on them, they became heroes. So in that way, all of us, as we spend time with Jesus, he can use us to be heroes for others. So turn over to John chapter 1. And I'm excited to have a couple people share uh, during my sermon today. So Gonzalo and uh, Kayla are going to be able to share a little bit of their story. So I'm going to cut my words a little bit shorter so they can have a little more time. But in John 1.35, it says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard them say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. You know, it's an amazing introduction that they get to Jesus where they're walking by John and he just says, look, the Lamb of God. And there's never a more... Descriptive statement about Jesus to describe his sacrifice and the forgiveness that only he could bring than those three words, Lamb of God. It had history for 1,500 years in the Jewish culture that they would sacrifice a lamb and the blood of that lamb would bring forgiveness to the people. And God had prepared the way for all that time for this moment for Jesus. This was kind of the crescendo of the Bible. That Jesus being called the Lamb of God. And these two disciples followed Jesus. They were there with John and they realized, hey, this is what John was leading us towards. And so they followed Jesus. So many times in the Bible you see where Jesus asked people to follow him. But this is one of those times when they just they follow because of somebody else. And in that way, I would say that John the Baptist was a hero to them because he pointed them towards Jesus. Imagine you're following behind Jesus. You're not sure how to strike up a conversation. And he turns around and he says, what do you want? I hope that in the first century that was a little nicer than it would be now. You're following someone and they ask you that question. But really what Jesus was asking was, what are you looking for? Why are you following me? What do you seek? Are you curious or do you really want to know who I am? Do you really want to follow me? 
And I love what Jesus says. He just says, come and you will see. That so much of what Jesus did was being with him, they came to faith. They didn't have faith automatically. They weren't born with faith. It didn't just like fall on them that they had to spend time with Jesus. And when they did, they grew in their faith. I find myself so many times trying to explain what Jesus can do for people in their lives. And what we share and what I've seen and the miracles that have happened. And I find that words just come so short. And a lot of times I end up in the same place. Just come and see for yourself. Just come and experience. Come and look into the word. Come and come to church. Come get to know people. Ask people their stories. And I want to encourage you to do that. That everyone here has a story. That Jesus has changed so many lives right there. There's miracles sitting in front and behind you. And it says they spent the day with him. Well, really, they probably spent two to three hours with him because it was four o'clock and they went to bed at dark. So some of (laughs) some of us wish we could go to bed at dark. Right. What do you say to Jesus when you're just hanging out? Yeah, that was cool. Last month when you did that Holy Spirit dove thing and the dove came down on you. And I mean, I don't know how they would say it. This is after Jesus is coming back from his temptation and his baptism. Maybe they said, well, John said to follow you. I'm not sure why we're here, but we're, he said to follow you. Imagine that they were spending time with the chosen one. That they were spending time with the embodiment of grace and truth. That means that he could look at you and he could see your entire life. You would be exposed. But then he could also wrap you up with love. Where you didn't feel ashamed, you felt encouraged and loved. That he was the light of the world, the creator and a carpenter. And he was humble. You know, my point number one is heroes bring out the best in you. Heroes bring out the best in you. And every time I say heroes in here, you could kind of replace it with the word Jesus. So Jesus brings out the best in you. And today, as we celebrate heroes, it it expands to heroes bring out the best in you. When you are with someone, they inspire you. They make you want to be greater. They make you want to try. They make you believe that I believe when people were with Jesus, they were inspired I never had that growing up. I went to church and I wasn't inspired. I was bored. And many of you share that same reality. But why would thousands of people follow a boring person? Wherever Jesus went, people gathered because he was inspiring. Because he brought out the best in people. Don't you want to be around people that make you feel good? People that inspire you, people that believe in you. That was what it meant to be with Jesus. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter, brother, brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and would follow Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. 
When you get good news, you just got to share it with someone. You know, if you're a student and you get 100 on your test, you want to you want to tell someone you come home. You know, you get a raise, you get a promotion, something good happens. You win the lottery. You want to share the news, maybe not the money, but you want to share the news. The first thing Andrew did was share it with his brother. You're never going to believe this. We found the Messiah. And really, the only other two times Andrew's mentioned in the book of John is when he's bringing people to Jesus. So in that way, Andrew's a hero, too, because he's bringing people to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he says, you are Simon and you will be called Peter. Which when translated, it means the rock. This is your name that your father gave you. And this is the name that I'm going to give you. This is who you are in your normal self. And this is who you're going to become in your spiritual self. That for each one of us, Jesus can look at us and see what we have inside of us. He can see the strengths that you were born with that are in there that maybe haven't come out. He could see the love and the compassion and the, and, and the joy and the strength that maybe we deny. Or maybe we said goodbye to a long time ago. When you look at Peter in, the, in Luke chapter 5, what, what his response was, was, Jesus, you got the wrong guy. No, that, I'm not the rock. You, you must be talking to somebody else. He says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I'm not religious. I'm not your kind of people, Jesus. And yet Jesus looked at him and smiled, I believe, and said, no, you're exactly my kind of people. You have a strength in you that's not about going to church. It's not about looking religious. It's not about being the good person. It's about having a heart for God. And in so many of our lives, Jesus made us who we are. Rocky. I try to relate it to, you know, some of us uh, more mature people. <laughs> but who knew that he was going to be the champion that he was? That his weakness would turn to strength, even though he still doesn't talk real well. <laughs> that he became a hero because of his passion and because of his fire and because of his strength. And that's exactly what Peter became. And yet he wasn't that way before Jesus. In fact, even afterwards, after Jesus was gone, he was so powerful and everyone was baffled and they looked around and the only reason they could find it said, he's ordinary, he's unschooled, he's a regular guy, he's a fisherman, but he has been with Jesus. And that's what set him apart. Jesus sees what you can be when you're with him. And in that way, he's our hero. And in this story, he called Andrew and was a hero to him. And Andrew, in turn, passed that to Peter. And Andrew became a hero to Peter because he also introduced him to Jesus. Right now, in this spirit of our weaknesses becoming our strength, uh, Gonzalo Herrera is going to share a little bit of his story. Give it up for Gonzalo. Hello? Okay, good. 
So my name is Gonzalo, and uh, it's an honor to be able to share with you uh, a part of my life, uh, my testimony of um, kind of what I grew up with. Um, I grew up, um, I pretty much grew up here in the valley all my life, basically born and raised out here. And um, one of the things about me is I grew up fatherless. And then I had a mom, but she was like an absent mom because she worked all the time to pay the bills and just to support us. And I can't go into detail, but my childhood was full of trauma and very unstable. Um, I have three brothers and one sister. And one of the things about someone, a young man that grows up fatherless, statistically, odds are not in their favor. They're prone, two times more likely to be incarcerated. They're two times more likely that they will uh, develop a mental illness. And I developed both of those. High school years, I spent half the time in and out of juvenile hall. Honestly, I committed so many crimes, I lost count. It was like shoplifting, breaking into cars, stealing cars. I even held up people to rob them. I also was constantly getting into fights. I even was shot at a few times. At the age of 18, I made a decision. My decision basically was not to, to not break the law, at least not anything that would land me in jail. I overall, I had changed my life at that point because I had focused all my attention to having the success that you see in this world would be with money and items that you would be able to attain. But at 20 years, my, my best friend, he, um, he kind of disappeared for a little while. We hung out with a group of friends. And I heard rumors that he had started going to church, uh, that he stopped selling drugs, that he stopped cussing. And I thought... Well, the weirdest thing about that was the no cussing thing. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta go check this out. Something's wrong with him. Something's not just right. So that concerned me. A month went by and since I, I hadn't seen him, so I went to go track him down. And so when I tracked him down, he said, yes, I'm, I'm starting to go to church. And I was baptized. And I thought to myself, good. You needed it. <laughs> But uh, so he asked me to come to church and he says, um, you know, come to church, come check it out. And I said, no way. I've seen church going people and I know there's this hypocrisy in churches. Why do I want to be a part of that? He said, I'll give you a Bible. I said, good, I'm interested in that. I wanted to know about God. I wanted to know what this was all about. I had tried reading it many times, and I couldn't understand. So I, after that time, I read it every day for that week. My conclusion was this. The Bible taught a lifestyle that I wasn't living, and I didn't want to read it anymore. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? What if, after putting it away, a few days went by, that what if this was my last chance to get right with God.
I thought, you know what? I truly, honestly, I truly was not happy with the type of man that I had become. And my goals weren't fulfilling me. At the age of 20, I studied the Bible with some young men in this church. They helped me understand Jesus, and I discovered that it was not about saying a prayer and accepting Jesus in my heart. I had done that multiple times. But it was much deeper than that. I had done it my way, and even at a young age, I knew it would ultimately be lead me nowhere. I was baptized, and I made a decision that there would be no plan B, no back door. It was going to be God's way, or no way at all. 26 years later, here I stand. I have seen many faces come and go. I have also seen many stay faithful, no matter the cost. Here's what I figured out. The world is messed up. (laughs) And really, we were not intended to live in this world forever. God's plan is to rescue as many as possible to bring them home with him to heaven. He knows there will be a small percentage of mankind with him in the end. But he's waiting patiently patiently to bring many to heaven. Some people think, why doesn't God take everyone? But I am more surprised that he would even bring any one of us. He is patient. And merciful. I discovered that even though I grew up fatherless, God set me apart so that I would learn about who my true Heavenly Father is. And that was in Him. I have become a licensed real estate agent for 16 years. I'm also a licensed loan officer. I am married to my best friend, April, who's homesick right now. I have a son, 18-year-old son, Diego, and a 16-year-old daughter named Isabel. And you got to understand, my success is not defined by how much money I make, but on how many people I get to help. In my family, in my church, in my work, and in my relationships. It's not a life of happiness and rainbows or, or a life of just no struggles. But God never promised that. There is a plan for your life. Not to be a believer. I was a believer. And I wasn't any different than anyone else. But the plan is for you to put in practice what the Bible teaches what the Bible teaches us about what being a follower of Christ is. I'll end with this. Discover the Bible, and you will discover who you are intended to be. Love you guys. Amen. Thank you, Gonzalo. You, you're, you're one of my heroes, and uh, he is an amazing father. And uh, it's awesome to see you with your kids and your passion for God. And the question that I want to leave with all of us is, what do you want? In the same way, 
Are you willing to come and see? Are you willing to search it out? Are you willing to get closer to Jesus so that he can bring out those strengths in you that only he can see? Second point here. In John 1, verse 43. Through 51, he says the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Point number two. Heroes take you beyond your dreams. They take you beyond what is possible for your life. And again, heroes being Jesus. As today we celebrate our heroes. Jesus takes you beyond what you even thought possible. And that is what he's telling Nathaniel in this conversation here. He calls him to follow him. Not just to start following Jesus. And stop and start and stop and start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. But to continue to follow Jesus in good times, in bad times, in difficulties, in every situation, to grab on to me being Jesus. And it's amazing, whenever Jesus called someone and it's recorded in the Gospels, they immediately left whatever they were doing and followed him. Not everybody. But that's for us today. Don't miss the opportunity. This was their opportunity to learn from Jesus. That's how they taught back then. He would take people with them and they would walk around with them and learn everything that they, they could. They were entering college, so to speak, with Jesus. But they recognized that if I don't go with Jesus now, I might miss that opportunity forever. Like Gonzalo said. Today may be an opportunity that you will not get back. An opportunity to follow Jesus. Not to start and stop and start and stop and kind of, but really follow Jesus. They said that they found the prophet that Moses talked about. And I love the realness of Nathaniel's response. Nazareth, nothing good comes from there. <laughs> he was prejudiced. I can't learn from him. 
He's a carpenter. He's from Nazareth. And that day, the people from Nazareth and were, were considered spiritually corrupt. Because in the hundreds of years before, they were intermingled with Israel's enemies, these ungodly people. So Nathaniel had a choice whether he was going to go with his preconceived ideas or whether he was going to go with Jesus. And whether he was going to challenge the things that he had always heard. That Nazareth is bad. You know, when I read my Bible, the people that thought Nazareth was bad were the same people that killed Jesus. Not the people that followed Jesus. So you can imagine that he had to decide to go with them and come and see the same challenge. And guess where they were going? Up to Nazareth. He was going to have to confront things in his own life that were not true and decide if he was going to stick with his traditions or stick with Jesus. In so many ways, when, we studied, when I studied the Bible, everything was great for so long. I was amazed at Jesus. I was surprised. He was so powerful. He was so encouraging. People were loving. We had Christians were actually fun. And then we got to the part where what the Bible said was different from what I had always learned. And the fun stopped, quite honestly. And when I got to that place, I said, so if this is true, then that means that what I was taught was wrong. Then that means that those who taught me were wrong. That they were teaching me something different from the Bible. And it wasn't just like, oh, anybody. This was my pastor growing up. This was my parents. This was my youth group. And I remember coming to the point where I said, do I really believe the Bible? Do I really want to follow Jesus? Because it doesn't take... Just a cursory reading, and you could see what people did to Jesus. How people treated Jesus. How people, Jesus divided every crowd that he went in. He didn't just sit on the sideline. He didn't just let people hang out at church. When Jesus showed up, there were people that said, yes, I want this. And there were people that said, get away from me. And when you truly read his word and determine that I am going to follow this, people are going to treat us the same exact way. Not because of us. We're not the heroes. I didn't make up the book. But when someone decides they're going to go against God's word, then it's not me they're fighting, it's really God. And I realized that I had to decide for myself What do I really believe? And am I willing to follow through on that even if it means conflict and disagreement and challenge to my own personal life? And for them, it would ultimately mean death. That's amazing, their faith. And I pray that you will decide that you don't just want to believe, like Gonzalo said, but you want to follow That you want to put it into your life. Because just believing doesn't change lives. We're in a country of just believing. 
But Jesus wants us to take it even further to following him. I love this last part where he said, you know, you're all amazed that I saw you under the fig tree. And I'm sure there was a lot more to that story. It wasn't just that he saw him under the fig tree. I think there was something going on under that fig tree. That that's where the Jews oftentimes would go to study the scriptures and meditate. And maybe he was praying about the prophet. Maybe he was praying about changing his life. Maybe he was praying about meeting the Messiah. But whatever it was, he changed from his prejudice to all of a sudden he's like, Jesus, you're the son of God. That's kind of weird. It's like one sentence, I don't like you. And the next sentence, you're the son of God. I'm like, you're like unstable or something. No, it was a miracle that had happened. Jesus will do miracles in your life if you decide to come follow him. Well, you may be the most cynical, hardened person in here. And yet when he touches your heart, you'll be the same way. Describing Jesus as the son of God. See, he took... Nathaniel's strength of honesty and called him so much higher. And he said, you're going to see the Son of Man, angels ascending and descending. You're going to see the real me. You're going to see me walk on water. You're going to see me feed 5,000. You're going to see me raised from the dead. You have no idea what's ahead of you if you decide to follow me. My reference for this is Captain America. Anybody remember his lesser-known self? Steve Rogers. Right? He had this amazing heart, and he was transformed into this superhero. See, God, had, he saw this amazing heart in Nathaniel, and he transformed him into something greater than he could be. Not only does he change our weaknesses, but he makes our strengths even stronger. So we've seen a story of John the Baptist pointing people to Jesus. And in that way, he was a hero to these these men. We see Andrew pointing Peter to Jesus. We see Philip pointing Nathaniel to Jesus. And we see all of these men pointing people to Jesus. Not only was Jesus a hero, but he was a hero maker. That he changed these ordinary people. That they could change others because of him. Because they were with him. And he wants to change us. I don't think there's too many of us that would be as bold as Nathaniel. When Jesus said, you're a true Israelite, he said, yeah, I know. (laughs) You're a hero. Yeah, I am, aren't I? Like, whoa, man. Maybe you're not. I'm going to have to change my answer. There's not many of us that would feel that way, but Jesus sees it in each of you. Not just in the person next to you. And in that spirit of God taking our faith higher and making our strengths go even greater, I want to call Kayla Hardaway up here to share a little bit of her story. to be here with you guys and celebrating the heroes in our lives, and I'm so excited to share with you guys about my past 
this past year of my time in China. So I was there with what's called a one-year challenge, and for you, those of you who aren't familiar with that, it's a program that our church offers for people to serve for a year either in another country or in the States in one of our churches to just help in whatever way that's needed. And I heard about this opportunity probably my freshman year in college and always thought, like, wow, it sounds so cool. Like, I would love to do that when I graduate, which was what I did. And some of the things that really motivated me to want to do a one-year challenge was I really wanted to see God through another culture's eyes. I wanted to give back because I think about that scripture, it says, to those much is given, much is expected. And I felt like, wow, I've been so blessed being able to live out my Christianity in America where I have so many freedoms to sing as loud as I want, to read my Bible, to share my faith with people. And that's an opportunity that a lot of our brothers and sisters in other countries just won't experience that freedom in their lifetime. And I just felt like if there's a need, if they're asking people to go to those places, like I want to go. And so um, I was last year I started my year out there, which was incredible. It was amazing, but it was also difficult. I mean, I grew up in America where it was I could do so many things, and there the reality is just so different. So our first couple weeks there, they just spent training us on how to be wise when we're making friends and reaching out to people, how to go about that, and really to protect our Chinese brothers and sisters because for us, like, the worst thing that could happen if we were caught was we'd be deported and we'd go back home. But for them, like, that's their home, and they're going to be the people that are carrying Christ to more and more generations in China. And so the first six months there, I didn't really, our group didn't really feel the weight so much of the regulations that they have, but about six months in, a new officer became in charge of the regulations in our area, the religion regulations, and basically his goal was to abolish all like the house churches because they know they're out there but sometimes they're more strict about finding them than other times and so he really wanted to crack down and so he was offering rewards for people to like turn in groups if they were aware of them and stuff and so it was a Sunday morning and one of our groups were meeting in like a small house church in one of the brothers apartments and their neighbor heard them singing worship songs and so he turned them in and so the cops came and They brought all the disciples in. It was probably a group of, like, 15. And they were interrogated, and the two brothers that were leading it kind of were like, hey, we're the leaders, like, and kind of took the brunt of stuff. And the rest of the group, they were interrogated, fingerprinted, footprinted, voice recorded, shoe printed, phone searched. Their schools were notified. Their families were notified. Like, it really affected their lives a lot. And for us, we think about, like, oh, my gosh, that's so crazy for your privacy to be violated that much and for them to look into your life and tell these people but for them it's just a reality of living out their christianity there and it's a risk a huge risk for them but they don't see it as this like oh my gosh this is a huge risk you know it's just their reality and they're willing to do it they're willing to do it because they see what a gift it is to be able to have a relationship with jesus to have a relationship with god and they're like if just one more person can know God, if just one more person can find him or we can read the Bible with someone, then it's worth it. Then this risk is worth it. Because of that, because of their faith, the next week, sure enough, they're at church. They were preaching. They were taking communion with us and sharing with us, like, this is a risk, but I'm so willing to take this risk to take communion with you guys, to be in fellowship with you guys, you know? And that's not just them. It's it's all the disciples in China, and it was so inspiring and convicting at the same time 
Um, and there were so many amazing things that I got to see, but I think that was the most inspiring, just the risk that they were willing to take and how it wasn't even this, they didn't even acknowledge it, that it was just the reality of their lives. And because of those risks they were able to take, I was able to be a part of some Bible studies and, and being a part of seeing people interact with Jesus for the first time and seeing how he responded to people in the scriptures for the first time and their like amazement of him and who he is and just to get to know him. And it was so cool seeing the Holy Spirit work and just building people's faith from the ground up, like literally knowing nothing about the Bible and about Jesus, but going, getting to a place where they were willing to make that risk too because they were like, whoa, they risked this much for me. Jesus is so amazing. Like, I want to risk that for someone else too. And then that chain, being able to witness that chain of like giving and of sacrifice was so amazing. And when I think about, like, okay, well, how do I bring that back here? And I think it really just challenges me and inspires me to take advantage of the freedoms that I have here in America to, to be a part of that pursuit with them, you know, be a part of that dream to just help one more person know God deeper. And, yeah, so it was amazing. Thank you for letting me share. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Kayla. I appreciate you acting on your, your, your desire and really stepping out in faith and pray that we can all be inspired to step out of our comfort zone for God. And uh, as we take our communion together, I want you to think about Jesus as your hero, that he wants to bring out the best in you. That that's what he does. That's who, what he sees. He sees so much good in each of you. And we've got to hear a couple stories of, of people, and I see, I'm so inspired by these two people that shared, but he sees that in each one of you. And even if that's not where you are right now, he knows that you can be a hero. You can, you can do great things in your life. And even if you have faith that he wants to take all of us, I believe, even beyond whatever we expect, whatever we think would be amazing, he wants to take us even further as he did with Nathaniel, and I pray that as we take communion that we can see that he takes that kind of personal interest in our lives and even to decide if you're here visiting that you want to get closer to Jesus, that you want to come and see and take the challenge that they even shared with each other what we read. Jesus in, in John chapter 12 said, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. I will bring all of us to be with him because of what he did on the cross. At the Last Supper, he broke bread and he gave thanks and he gave it to the disciples saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. And I wonder... In the days that followed that those people remembered when they were first called by Jesus. Realizing that they had been with him for three solid years. And that their lives were so changed. And I bet they even look back and go, man, I can't even believe how far I've come with Jesus. And then to see him come back and raise from the dead and begin again he, the amazing journey that they would eventually give up their lives 
for him. And in so many ways, people could look at their faith and say, wow, these guys are heroes. We're looking at the people in China going, man, those guys are inspiring. But by your faith, you're the same way. So thank you so much for those of you who are visiting. And let's, let's pray and we'll take our communion today. Father, we thank you for, for Jesus. We thank you for the, these simple interactions that show so much about his character and his faith and his life. God, help us to, to want to be with him, to decide to spend time with him, to, to think about and know that you have a plan for all of our lives. God, thank you that you could make good from where we, wherever we're starting from, God, even if we don't believe we can change, that you believe in us. And God, we believe in you. Thank you for Jesus and his body and his blood that he broke for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.